Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host in the city of Chicago and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Okay, fair enough. Wow. Also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission Act Productions. Happy to be here. Also joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. That's correct. That's me. I put all my gumption into the first episode of the two we record today. <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun at-home game. Guess which one of these we record at 10 at night. And which one we cord at 1130? <laughs> you are probably going to have a pretty high run on that. we got a great show set up this week. But before we do that, I must declare an emergency. What? And it's it an is emergency? a worryingly recurring emergency of the subgenre. We have many genres of emergency here. We have <laughs> crazy thing in Christian culture that's driving us nuts. We have yeah. fashion tips. Sure. That's I, yeah. I get a lot of fashion tips for you know, the people. bridge stories. There's one that's rapidly uh, becoming a staple on the show, which is Matt embarrasses himself. Mm. <laughs> so last week we talked about uh, me making a total fool of myself at the restaurant. Yeah. Uh, this is of the email variety. We've mentioned before that there was an email where I misspelled my own name, signing yeah. it off. <laughs> Again, for those of you who are new listeners, my name is Matt. <laughs> and I couldn't quite get both those T's in there. It's 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 definitely not map. Nope. It's not map, as in doormat. <laughs> it is just with the both T's. He is the king of all mats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I this this is of a genre of the same thing with the email. So I, I we got a a Bridgebox subscription, a Bridgebox sign-up from our friend Alex, as we often do. And as I, as happens, it, we're always happy for that. In this case, there was some uh, kerfuffle, as they would say, with the, uh, with the payment process and entering the credit card and all that stuff. Right. So I, I could see that in our little uh, our Bridgebox system. So I emailed our friend Alex and said, hey, I think we had some problem. He, he, he said, oh, that's no problem. We don't, got it figured out. But in my sign-off to him, because I was trying to be professional. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Trying to you know, put forth an air of professionalism yeah. about this operation in which we record this in a basement and then <laughs> send out emails that at 1 o'clock in the morning on the first of the month. Right. So I uh, I tried to put in like an email signature. Okay. official-like. Yeah. And you say, you're sincerely, and it's like, you know, my name and my email address, my phone number. And sometimes you'll put, people put like, you know, their position or whatever. Right. But, so I don't always do that, but I thought from the Bridgebox team, yes. which is nice. A lot of people do a lot of amazing work on Bridgebox. I feel that you know when someone's signing up, it's because they're doing a, they're doing something good for all of us. The problem with that is I left out a key letter. Okay. So I sent him an email, signed off. Thank you, Matt King, Matt at Michigan dot com. The Bridebox team. Yes. <laughs> left out <Wow>. the G. <laughs> Alex and his wife, who both listen to the podcast. Apparently got great joy out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Bright. He, he answered. He says, I'm sorry about the, the issue. I tried again and it went through. P.S. I'm glad this happened because I got to witness your signature. I'm intrigued with what the transition from bridge box to bride box will bring. Wow. <laughs> Let me tell you what, right now, I don't care who, what you say, it's wrong to put your bride in a box. Absolutely. I don't care what kind He's of. He's again uh, it. I'm again it. That's a bold stance, Glenn. I'm coming right out there with that. So, sure. does this mean that we like that that uh, Matt has had like a Freudian slip, as they Ooh. say? Oh, I'm not aware of what that is. Sure, 
Sure. He, he's worried about a bride that wants to put him in a box. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now we've cracked it's the, the code. Re- double reverse Freudian slip. That's right. Yeah, this is... Uh, but, you know, when you think about it, yeah, we could start a service called Bride Box. People spend a lot of money on weddings, man. That's right. That's and true. We need to get in on that racket. That sweet, sweet wedding cash. I mean, there's a lot of it. Sure. Because well, here's what's happened with weddings. People have lost their minds. That's a little true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's just, you know what we'll do? We'll invite our friends over. Yeah. We'll have a brief thing where person will say a thing and pronounce us we kiss and then we have some cake yeah everybody loves cake that th- that's where we started it's reasonable like, uh, yeah that was that was you know 30 40 years ago now chaos and madness a little bit it's like wedding brought to you by michael bay <laughs> <laughs> dude i would i would attend a wedding produced by michael bay i'm not you know gonna I mean? lie it's like cgi robot cars and stuff well optimus prime is the efficient right so, that's you know, right I mean, it all you works know. out i mean the ninja it, turtles are like the groomsmen yes yeah. i mean it's all a bit much you are marrying megan fox it doesn't matter who your bride right, is that's, that's right just, you know, that's you, how this is going or maybe you have to call her Megan. The bride is recast that's right that's exactly right. right that's right but uh i think that is an important point because I, I was talking to a friend of mine recently who was they were doing some wedding planning and one of the yeah. good pieces of advice they got was when you go to your florist don't ever use the word wedding really we want flowers for an event we're throwing because once the word wedding comes out that price doubles wow wow, wow. Well, you can't get flowers in other places. No, just so, like it's not like that stuff grows up out of the ground. No, uh, but seriously, but, folks. But <laughs> try the veal. I'll be here all week. <laughs> Here's what I'm saying: is we got to get in on this racket. Yes, we so, got. So everybody's making money on the day of. We, we got to get on the preparation. We got to get into the trough and feed with these other piglets. Yeah. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Evocative imagery for a man from Texas. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to be on the hind teat on this one. Wow. That's definitely not so much evocative imagery, it's just something you wanted to try to get away with saying. Hey, we say that in Texas. Sure. Well, look it up. There will be meetings. Do not look it up. (laughs) A lot of people live in the state of Texas. By the numbers, probably someone there has said it at some point. Anyone in Texas listening to this podcast right now is freaking out like, yes, of course we say that every day in Texas. But here's what I'm saying. We got to get in on this cash, man. Well, what do you suppose would be in Bride Box? Well, I think what it is is it's like a box. Okay. You send it to a bride. Okay. And it's got all the stuff that you need, both for for, for your, riding. Well, for being a bride, okay. Which of course would also involve you know a man, right? So we we supply you with the whole with the whole service. Is the man in the box? The man's in the box. Clearly, you know he's in he's in there with the cake and the. Uh, we gave him, we gave him a Nintendo Switch. He's happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Start, starting to have a bit of an Alice in Chains vibe here, but go Look, on. Look, I can find you a guy. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. That's not hard. I'll find you guy. Does he know, strictly speaking, what this is? <laughs> He's here, and that's the main thing. That's what you wanted. I think what you're describing is a mail-order husband business. Well, that sounds like exactly what we ought to get into. I, and I yeah. think it's called mail-order M-A-L-E. Ooh, there that's good. Wow. Mail-order TM. There's your marketing right there. This stuff sells itself. Look, you want a man, boom, man. 
Right. Open a box. There's your man. Might be more of a crate at this point, but sure. Hey, look. All right, I know what you're thinking. What if I don't want to marry this guy? Sure. You know what? Money back guarantee. There you go. Send it free, back. Free return shipping. <laughs> it's like Zappos.com. Exactly right. That's Just right. Like we give Zappos. you a, a six-foot-tall bubble mailer. That's right. You you like wrap them in the bubble wrap. Put them right back. Right back to the post office. We, you, we, we'll put like the self-addressed stamp or whatever. Absolutely. Return to sender. Boom. Send yeah. him just, back. Just give him a bottle of water or something. He'll be all right. Yeah, that's fine. Box him up. Send him back to mama. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, you go. it's like exactly like Zappos with right. the shoes. You go online. You pick out one that looks like uh, this is the right size and shape for me. Right. And then you, you order them up. Right. You, you, he has his features on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then, then we mail them to you. And uh, you, you, you try them out. If you don't like them. You Send them back. So, like, for example, tell him when he opened a the box, there's a guy. Tell him, hey, how's about you cut the grass? Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. He cuts the grass. There you go. <laughs> that's what that's what you want. Sure. But if he but, does a real slapdash job, send him back. Say, eh, back hey, to the warehouse. You know what? If if he if he makes a big deal about it and stuff, you know. Right. Say, you know what? I don't think this is working out. Sure. Sure. Well, I think I think it's all fantastic. Let me let me yeah. pitch an alternate version and it could be an add-on service. Okay. Which I got your Amazon, your Amazon Prime. Yeah. So, you know, we we we've heard from some wonderful people on the show. We talked recently about our friend Josh getting married. Yeah. We've heard from Mike and Nicole from uh Lots of wonderful people over the years saying, you know, turning to the podcast, it really felt made me feel like I was ready to get married, like I could do this. You guys encouraged me. And so let's say you got, you found yourself a man. Yeah. But he's not quite there yet. Right, right, right. He's not a, he's not a fully finished product. Sure. Yeah. So we're not to bride yet. What, yeah. what could we put in the bride box that would say, not only are we going to give you the raw material, but we're going to help this process along. Cattle prod. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Taser. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, I think shock collar would be perfect. Okay. Well, that's nice. You can put that right under the uh, tux collar. Yeah. That's right. And if he does something you don't like, bzz, you yeah. know, and then he that's. Could, we could kind of send him with a handbook or some like, uh, like index cards with certain phrases that he sure, needs to Karen use. Karen feeding. Yeah, that's right. Karen <laughs> feeding. You know, uh, put a little video in there. Absolutely. So you've got your your male order bride. You probably have lots of questions. Yes. And then it's like uh, you know, uh, you know, make sure he has water once a day, etc. You know. We have some FAQs. That's right. Doesn't doesn't he know that you can own more than two towels? No, you will have to explain that. That's right. There's a list of things you will have to explain. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he he may come with only one pair of underwear and be comfortable with that. And you must explain that's not appropriate for yeah. humans. Yeah. Accessory pack. I Ooh. think that that's good for business. <laughs> that's right. That's, there upselling, you go. Dude. That's, that's what you need is optional accessories. Because he know. comes bog standard with the shampoo, conditioner, and body wash all in the one bottle. That's right. And you say, that's not a way for a human being to live. Right. But you're gonna, that's going to be an add-on if you want yeah. all those in separate. Yeah, he, he, doesn't know, he doesn't know these. Uh, fabric softener is a complete mystery to him. It'd be like uh, showing it to a caveman. You Absolutely. Know, trying to work that out. So here's what I'm saying is, uh, uh, maybe we ought to rethink some of this. And I'll tell you why. Because our, our friends... Because it's horrifying? Yes. Because our friends Mike and Nicole got married a little while back. Sure. True. And they said, 
You know what would be really great if the guys from the Save That podcast recorded a video and sent that off, and we'll play it at uh, I think it was like at the reception. Right? Well, yeah, I think uh, Miss Nicole said I wanted to see one because one uh, surprise her her groom to be mm. and play this. I think at the reception, and I warned her in the strongest possible terms that you should not do that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I I think they ended up playing it somewhere else, but we made it. Yeah. yeah, we made the video, and uh, that is never to be released for public consumption. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if we ever told them, but our initial idea was me and Jed in lab coats. Yes, yeah. explaining uh, human anatomy and intimacy <laughs> and intimacy, <laughs> and we we were going to have a chart behind us. Yes, and and then we thought, well, that's a lot of work. Yes, and then we worked out between us that the Chicago Bulls. Logo, yes. That you know the 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 image, the mascot of the Chicago yes. Bulls looks the front a, on view of the Bulls head. Yeah, looks a lot. If you use your imagination, looks a lot like. Uh, it's got the basic outline of the diagram from sixth grade health class. Yeah, that's right. So we were going to have the Bulls logo behind us and explain. <laughs> this is as close as we could get on short notice. That's right. Yeah. We were going to have little pointers and explain human biology. I'm Professor Brewer from the Sexinarium. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Uh, I believe this, and we put that song on, I believe this is the genesis of the Dr. Love character. Yeah, that's right. And uh, there, there were two: Professor Pleasure and Doctor Love. That's what it was. <laughs> and I, I think right at the last minute, Matt uh, diverted us. I think to, by last minute, you mean as soon as you told me that idea, yeah. it got pulled hard. Yeah. So what we ended up with was me trying to intro a heartwarming. We love you guys so much. We it's, it's amazing. We think you're amazing people, and right. just and Glenn and Jed. Just doing a bit where they tried to transition into, yeah, the explaining the mechanics of yeah. certain acts, right. yeah, and then me having to cut them off. And the only thing I remember really from it right. is it ended with me face down on the desk, looking up, and just ending with, "We're sorry." Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we didn't have time to do another take, so we did yeah. it at the end of the night. Yeah, that's that amazing. was like the very late night. Yeah, sign so, up for Bride Box. <laughs> so yeah, the you know. Because we can explain, we've got experience. We can explain things to the to the man sure. in the equation if you give us a poster of a bull's you know logo. Absolutely. But uh, you know, uh, beyond that, I think at some point you got to take over here. Sure, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe have a giant wheel he can run on in your living room. <laughs> <laughs> you put all his water for the week in one of those things that's upside down. With yeah, the metal he can shrimp from it while he's uh, running on his wheel. Bachelor chow. <laughs> now right. with flavor. That's right. Well, and on that unhinged insanity, I declare emergency off. Emergency off. Yes, we're not ready for bride box yet. We, Clearly. We don't, have a, we don't have boxes that big. That's a lot of crating is the main thing. Yeah. Well, that and the giant nets to catch them with. Yeah, that's, it's it's <laughs> not a fully coherent idea. Yeah, special yet. order those. There's a lot yeah. of those. But what we're fully set up to do is put out bridge box every month. We will continue to do songs, sermons, Bible studies, little extra bits here and there, devotionals, all sorts of great stuff based around, normally based around a monthly topic. We're coming in the month of August, and our topic will be How Do I Have Hope? We're coming out of July here, where we did a special summer mixtape music special. We certainly hope folks enjoy it. If you want to sign up, it's only $8 a month. It goes directly to fund our Deacons program here in Chicago to fund the work Lee does making music and working with kids down there in Tennessee. It's the number one way 
that folks who like the show support what we do. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right. We're going to move to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, Is it ever right to decide to no longer witness to someone or share the gospel with them after many tries, mockeries, and rejection? We see this in Matthew 7, 6 and Acts 18, 6. On the flip side, how, who are we to decide who deserves or does not deserve grace? How do you go about figuring out when to move on? And Jed, let me get you to start us off here. I, I answered this on the blog and got back to our friend here. And this is actually a thing we talk about a lot yeah. in our day job. Um, just kind of when uh, is it time to invest less in someone? Was it time to fully move on? I think that's something that's not really understood in the wider Christian world. So where would we start with this? Sure. Well, I'm sorry that you're feeling discouraged, and I'm I'm sorry that you've been having rough interactions with people. I think one of the things that we really want to start with is to look at maybe how you're going about witnessing to people, because that's really super important. You you yeah. quoted a couple of Bible verses, so here's one for you. So this is 1 Peter 3.15. I'm reading from the NIV. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. So the thing that I would encourage you to look at is, as you're witnessing to people, are you doing that with gentleness and respect? Is is that happening? Because here's the thing. When you read the Bible, there are examples of people being gentle and respectful and receiving persecution, receiving mockery and rejection. I, th- I think the stoning of Stephen um, would, would be a good example of that. That, that does happen. But I would argue that it's fairly rare um, that you are approaching people with gentleness and respect, and their answer is mockery and derision and rejection and persecution. That's pretty rare, man. It 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 does happen, but again, it's it's pretty rare. I think if it's me, the thing that I would want to look at is do I know how to approach people with gentleness and with respect. Mm. If you've listened to this podcast for a while, you might have heard us talk about the idea that in suburban culture, we often struggle to understand what respect is. That's that's not a word that we have a, a strong sense of, really, really. And I would actually add to that, I think a lot of people in the 21st century don't really have a good idea what gentleness is either. Mm. Um, you know, we, we kind of take niceness as an overall catch all, but niceness and gentleness don't have anything to do with each other at all. Um, it says elsewhere in the scriptures that a soft word turns away wrath. And I think if you looked through your social media timeline, I don't think you could find enough soft words to fill a thimble. Mm. And One of the things that this has created for us is a false idea in our brains that anything that is not a brash, angry, ruthless, unconsidered declaration of fact is me being ashamed of the gospel. And that's nonsense. That's absolutely nonsense. That's that's not how this works. Here's the thing. 10 gets you 20. Your friends all know you're a Christian. The, the people that you're trying to witness to, they, they know you're on the Jesus thing. They, they may not understand everything about the Jesus thing, but, but they know that you're on the Jesus thing. They, they really do. At the end of the day, the fundamental Christian testimony is this. Jesus Christ changes lives. That is the actual fundamental Christian testimony. 
I think if you really want to be a witness to your friends, you need to show them that Jesus Christ is in the process of changing your life. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. If you don't know how to be gentle and you don't know how to be respectful and you don't know how to use soft words, that's okay. Learn how. Your friends will notice that about you. If you become a person who knows how to be gentle and respectful and use soft words, they will know that a change has occurred within you. And they will suspect that Jesus might have had something to do with it. Man, that will be more of a testimony to them than any list of doctrine or apologetic you could ever hope for. And it will stand out because it will be so rare in all of the things that they see around them. But I think that would really be my encouragement to you is before you give up on anybody one way or another, before you maybe even start thinking about how you're going to evangelize the next person, start thinking and praying and considering and ruminating on what does it mean for you to conduct yourself with gentleness and respect? What does it mean for you to communicate to people with soft words? It's not ashamed words. You may note that this verse that I just read you began with, revere Christ as Lord in your heart, but with gentleness and respect, with soft words. You can learn how to do that. And if you learn how to do that, people will notice and will be intrigued to know more. I think that's a really fantastic point and a great place to start off with this. And Glenn, before we even get to the how we're, how we're doing the witnessing, one of the things we probably need to look at as well is where we're putting those resources. As yeah. I mentioned that's something we talk about a lot in ministry. And it is, that is, as, as Jed is saying, it's a great point. Um, at this point, we're pretty good at this. Right. Telling people about Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, Jed, for a long time. I've been doing it for, for a minute here. But there's still only so many hours in the day. That's right. For people who do this, this is our full-time job. Yeah. There has to be a conservation of resources there. And again, I think that's a thing that's, not really talked about by pastors because a lot of pastors think, well, you should just go tell everybody because my goal is for everybody in the world to come to this church. That's right. That's what I want. So, but yeah. in, in a world where we li- we're trying to live in a somewhat sane world, mm-hmm. this idea of who to witness to and who to not may be a, a good question to start here. For sure. I For us, we're very clearly focused on who's ready to receive yeah. that. Yeah. Who's ready to move forward on it. Uh, that's if someone doesn't as acting like they don't want it. They're not ready. That's pretty easy one to one. That's right, uh, it, for sure. And am I wasting my time trying to butt heads with somebody who just is not ready? They'll be ready later. I can mm. talk to them later. But right now, somebody else is ready. I'm not talking to them while I'm having the conversation with this person. Jed mentioned uh, you know persecution in the Bible. But here's what roughly 100% of that persecution was, was, was from, religious people. Yep. So that might be Jewish leaders. Uh, it was, you know, people, uh, there's one incidence of people worshiping Artemis, and there's, you know, there's a conflict there. And even, it, even that wasn't a religious conflict, really. It was a jealousy over an influence and a, a fame, and, and everyone thinks they're cool, and they don't think I'm cool anymore, and so, you know, I, we got to get those guys, this kind of thing. So um, uh, if I'm in some, embroiled in some sort of uh, endless debate with someone where, again, we're sort of butting heads on, on religion— uh, that's uh, that's that's not a, a good use of my time. That's not good ministry at all. Yeah. Um, here are the people who never persecuted Christians in the Bible: 
Tax collectors, prostitutes, lepers, thieves, thieves. Those people thought this is great. You know, the, <laughs> you know, uh, they the, the Jews are the ones that brought Jesus to Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate said, "I don't, I don't see anything wrong with this guy." Okay, so this is what we're talking about: is um, finding people who are ready to move forward. Now, I'm going to give you the two and only two ingredients to growing any sort of ministry that you want to do. Ingredient number one is find the people ready to move forward. That that's you know you you for your mission field wherever God's calling you, you need to figure that part out. Second of all, feed them. Ah, mm. that involves humility, as as, as and and a gentle word, as as Jed's pointing out. Uh, you know uh, the Bible says always uh, another use of that same exact phrase that, that Jed is bringing out. Is always be ready ready to give an answer for the hope that you have, but do so with gentleness and respect. So that idea that we're ready, we're finding good contacts, and we're feeding them. That means I'm humbling myself. That means I'm serving them. That means what they need. Right. If I have to drive in my car, if I have to get in the canoe and go to the next village over where they are or wherever my mission field the parameters are, I am figuring out a way to feed them. If... It, it, if that's bringing them to a meeting, great. In a lot of cases, that's not going to do it. I need to be one-on-one with them. That's where all good ministry begins, and that's generally where most of it gets done. So I need to have this mentality of find people who are ready to move forward and feed them. Those two things are, need to be dialed up to 100%. Where we yeah. see ministries that are shrinking or struggling to do their thing it's because either they they're they're not finding people who are ready to move forward. They might find cultural Christians, they might find people who love to debate, they might find people <laughs> who just love showing up a bit of place because hey, I I you got to take me because that's your jam and uh, I no one else wants to put up with my foul attitude, so I'm coming here. That's that's not somebody who's ready to move forward. So either you've got way too much of that or you're expecting them to be uh, uh, you're expecting them to be your fans, really, is what that is. Mm. You're expecting them to uh, come in and just be thankful that you you know put on this uh, little pageant where you're the star of the pageant, and they get to enjoy that and experience it. You're not feeding them with that, yeah. And you can't expect them to be jazzed about it. I I talk to pastors every day that give me this. No, these people aren't committed. They don't. They never. They they're not showing up. They're not consistent. You know. It's like where's the passion? Well, okay, but are you feeding them? Because if you're feeding somebody, they're digging what you're on. They're they're going to be with you on whatever. That doesn't mean they love your 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 dopey little service you put together that we all wish you would just quit it with. But you know, <laughs> uh, they they they're gonna they're gonna have their hearts uh, with you there and they're maybe going to be honest with you to say why don't we just not do this because man it's not helping anybody with anything but either you're not finding people who are ready to move forward or you're not feeding them that's the breakdown in what's going on here if you have that attitude of serving them in humility you can't go wrong that's a really great point also now referring to putting on the pageant I can only picture a pastor twirling batons during a sermon. Yeah. And then just we all think it's over, lights them on fire. That's right. Let's go. That's right. That's, 
Yeah, that's I'm really uh, going to get my level. point about Zephaniah across. Here we go. <laughs> uh, it's, it's all really great stuff. And Lee, I'd love to transition you here because as someone who works with high school kids, you get to deal with a lot of rejection. Yay. Um, so, but I think another thing that's, <laughs> thank you. I think another thing that's misunderstood about this process that is the idea of, in a ministerial sense, backburnering is what we call it, which is, you know, either someone is not ready to hear this message or if yep. they're already Christian, they're not ready to move forward on this thing. And in that case, hanging out with them and not proselytizing is actually not a defeat. Yeah, uh, there are these buildings where you can go watch movies with people. It's really fun. Cinematoriums, they call them. Yeah, um, you know, there are people who right now, as Glenn's saying, they're not ready to move forward. Um, And you may still have a burden on your heart from the Lord for a person who's not ready actively to move forward right now. So guess what? Go hang out with them. Go eat some food. Go watch a movie. Uh, go, you know, uh, you know, if if the guys are getting together for a pickup basketball game, go run around, pick them up, uh, take them to the pickup basketball game. One thing I can tell you is, in a long time with working with high school kids, the the place that the that I exercise a lot of discernment, um, a lot of prayer goes into this moment, a lot of a lot of experience and a lot of discernment is. I want to know the right time to talk about the gospel message. Um, And that is, there's a whole lot of work that goes into that relationship before that conversation happens. And I still don't get it right all the time. Um, I was in a, uh, last summer, I was was in a, uh, I was hanging out with a, a high school guy that I had known for two years at this point, and we had done a lot of hanging out, just a lot of stuff together. And we finally were in a conversation where it was like, here's the deal, man. Here's the the news of the message of the gospel. This guy had just graduated high school. He's going off to college. And he looked right at it and he said, it sounds great. It sounds lovely. But I'm about to go to college and I really, I, I've, I can tell that Jesus is calling me to a life. And I really want to experience that college life, man. And I was like, cool. Uh, talk to you soon. You know, and uh, so fast forward, we are we have gone through one year of that exact experience. I got a text message from this dude today, and he said, "Haven't talked to you in a long time. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm having a hard time. This has been a hard year. Um, I who could have predicted that this would be a hard year? Yeah. Who indeed, Lee? <laughs> Whoever would have known that he would have had a, you know a couple of ups, but mainly downs." Um, I said, well, here's the deal, dude. When The next time you're in town, let's hang out. I would love to talk to you. I'd love to talk all about it. Um, there is nothing wrong with, and it, it, Jed's exactly right, you are not ashamed of Jesus or ashamed of the gospel if you simply hang out with people and play for time. You can always pray for them. You can always lift them up. And just like, I mean, by the way, the Apostle Paul was the best dude in the world at this, and even at the end of his life, he's saying in some of his letters, I need you to pray for me that the Lord would open a door for our message. He didn't cram this stuff down anybody's throat. He was always praying, looking for the right opportunity, and he said, and pray that the Lord would make me bold and fearless, like I should be when I, when I laid this out, but pray that the Lord would open a door. 
Um, this is part of this is we need to have the discernment for when do these conversations need to happen. And we need to be, we need to relax about the, the fact that building these relationships, building the rapport and getting a person to a place where they're ready. One, that's the Lord's work. Two, there is nothing wrong with just hanging out and building that relationship so that when the time is right, you're the person that they want to talk to. I think that's all fantastic stuff on that. One, one more thing I would I would throw into this, which we didn't really touch on um, when we got into the balls of this, but I think it's a good underpinning here. Is this a thing you mentioned in your question of who are we to decide who deserves or does not deserve grace? And again, if you've been to kind of a legalistic church, if you've been to a church that's really super desperate and wants to know how many people you invited to church that week, this may get lost. God does not need us to save anybody. Right. Uh-huh. Right. He does use us. You're you might be called to lay something out for somebody. This idea that if you don't if you don't invite someone to church, maybe someone pretty well off, maybe someone who'll put money in the plate, but a lot of people to church, bring them to church, then you're condemning them to the fires of hell. That's just not it. That's not that's an unfair pressure for someone to put on you or you to put on yourself. It's also just totally theologically not the way that works. I mean you know, Palm Sunday, Jesus says, if these people weren't singing, the rocks would start singing as well. Yep. That goes for witnessing, too. If, yep. if God wants to save somebody, they shall be saved. Yep. It's not up to us. We get to be involved in that, but that's a different thing. And if you're, if you're not uh, used to, if you're not on the lookout for that, it's one of those things that can uh, get insidious really fast. But it's worth pointing out that you not witnessing to someone has nothing to do with whether or not they get saved. That's right. Um, if, they're, if they're ready to move, as we've learned before, uh, we pick up a lot of this in our ministry. There are people who are clearly ready to move on and be at the church or the residential center or whatever. Somebody just wasn't doing anything with them and God points them out to us. We we're ready to do something with them and on we go. But you are not, uh, God is not powerless to save someone. If you are tired of getting crapped on by them, that's you know, it's, it's totally fair to take care of yourself and to move on in that way. All right. we're, and we are going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, regarding work and life, I believe that I'm supposed to work faithfully without letting it consume my life and be able to put things down when I come home, work-life balance. My partner, on the other hand, believes that work is life, and life is work since God created us to work, and so is more willing to spend yeah. time at their job. You'll get your chance. <laughs> Working really hard and lots of overtime as well, which puts stress on our home life. What is the right way to view work and life as a Christian? And Glenn, I don't know if you have any, any thoughts on this, but yeah. why don't starts off? Now a pro-work champion, Glenn Fitzgerald. <laughs> You're getting an insight into what it's like to be in a... In a in a counseling environment with me, you're halfway through your body like ah, no, uh, <laughs> try again. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what's called a gentle nudge from Glenn. That's right, it's, a disapproving sound symphony with Glenn Fitzgerald. That's right. Uh, okay, here's where we're going to start. Uh, it, you know, you're saying the uh, work is putting stress on the home life. Home life comes first. That's that's the thing. Yep. Yes, this is for a married person. That's in the Bible. You you and God and your partner that you are with, that you promise to be with forever and ever. Forsaking all others. <laughs> you know, yeah, whether whether it's death or death, you know, the, you're they're together. Yep. That's number one. Everything else is on an outer concentric circle. Everything else is in a different realm, on a different world, on a different level, on a lower level, and deserves a far lower consideration. If you uh, don't have that central inner circle working properly, everything else is going to break down. Yep. That is the most important thing. The best thing for me 
to do a job or to do any form of work is to have the support and love and encouragement of my wife, yeah. who's, a, who's championing me, who's uh, you know encouraging and strengthening me and helping me process stuff. Uh, you know, my wife is doing really, really amazing and innovative stuff right now in, in the company that she works for. And uh, literally, I, you know, I'm having a conversation with her the other day of we're no one is celebrating this. And we're, everybody's sort of in the details of it. This is an amazing thing. And we need to stop everything and just focus on how cool this is and how amazing it is and how amazing you are. Uh, that you know that inner circle needs to do its job in order for her to have the right perspective yeah. on what it is she's doing and to feel energized about it and to 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 know uh, how to think about it feel about it. Um, here's another thing. Uh, you know, uh, work is life and life is work. Since God created us to work, um, actually, rest is sacred. Mm-hmm. Work is the curse. Mm. If you go back to the Bible, that's the book I'm going by. I don't know, it wasn't you know. supposed to be this way. Yeah. Glenn, there are parts of the Bible I like and parts I don't like. Yeah. there, there was Very a, honest of you, Pastor. God created a garden where nobody did any work, and that's the way he wanted it. Hmm. Those two geniuses messed that up, and he said, okay, if you don't like this, now you're going to go to work. That's a curse. Yes, you may have heard the term. By the sweat of your brow. Yeah. That comes from Genesis 3 during the cursing. That's right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, let's not get this backwards. Rest is sacred. Uh, family, uh, yeah, that, again, that inner circle, you, your partner, and God, that is sacred. Work is not sacred. You, jobs will come and go. Careers will change. Things happen. Things beyond your control will happen with work stuff. So, you know, having the idea of of making that, elevating that into something that's vital and essential is is just dead wrong. Here's where I want to land the plane on this. Part of what we're talking about here for me is a trust issue with God. If I take, if if I tell my boss, no, I can't go on that trip. I need to stay home. And monitor my relationship with my husband. I haven't seen him in however long because you've been working me. And I have got to get some sort of way to connect with this man. That boss may fire you. You see what I'm saying? If you tell your boss, I I can only do this much and here's where my boundaries are. That boss is not going to like hearing that. They're not supposed to like hearing that. They're not supposed. To, they're supposed to get everything they can out of you. That's that's how they are. But the question is, would you get fired for that? Would you lose a promotion? Would would your life be worse off to the point where you'd be sacrificing something you don't want to sacrifice? Or would the Lord look out for you in some sort of way? It doesn't mean they get you a better job or something just means, is the Lord going to be there for you and sustain you as a result of you making this a priority? I think for me, that's a a step of faith that you're taking. I've seen this exact problem that you're describing before, and what that really comes down to is, I got to look out for me. I don't know about this other person and whether I can rely on them. I don't know about Mm -hmm. God. I don't know if I can rely on him. I'm going to work this job, and I'm going to have something I can fall back on if everybody else lets me down. And that's not a recipe for a healthy marriage, unfortunately. Right. 
Yeah, I think that's a really important place to start this because this is a rare situation in which as you've laid this this question out, which to be fair, we're not getting both sides of it, but as you've laid this question out, one of you is right and one of you is wrong, pretty right. much. Because uh, there is what the Bible says about work. It is that you should take time away from it fairly often. Yeah. It is not that work is inherently good or that work sets you free or any of these other things that <laughs> someone who's being overworked, wanting to be overworked might say. So we have that. That's actually pretty clear as we go about this. You know, Sabbath, rest is holy, as Glenn is pointing out. Now, there's an old aphorism by the, uh, the theologian Christopher Rock about marriage, oh. which is you can be right or you can be happy. Right. So, Lee, I'd love to go to you here because you've been married for a long time. And now we have a situation where <laughs> you could go into this conversation with your partner, guns blazing, Bible verses highlighted, and discuss why you're right and they're wrong. That's probably not going to be the path to a happy life. So we have the, the issue of the work stuff, which I think did a, Glenn did a fantastic job and concise job laying out for us. Now we have the my, my partner in this relationship has something they're stuck on. Yeah. How do we deal with that aspect of this? Yeah, this is a really, really good question because uh, I, I actually agree with every single word that Glenn just said. And the problem is, now what do we do about it? Uh, one of the things that, that Glenn said to me a long time ago was, I, I was asking him about this this uh, this couple that wanted to get together. It did not look good on paper. And, and Glenn said, well, you're talking about a man and a woman. A man and a woman being in a relationship together is a terrible idea all the time. Your goal is to make it a good idea. Right. Uh, which is a really cool thing, and it's an important point to make because uh, this is one of those situations where, okay, now we have to figure out what to do. Um, so often in a marriage, you what you have is you have somebody that has their point of view, and that's the only thing they can see. Then you have somebody else that has their point of view, and that's the only thing that they can see. And what we've got to do is figure out how does our teamwork get from here to the other side of this? How do we tug on the same side of the rope and not pull against each other? Um, I, I kind of want to broaden out from from just the, spe the specifics of this question to just to kind of thinking about these kinds of questions in marriage in general. What we need to do is we need to look at, as a team, how can we move toward each other so that I'm hearing you, and I'm moving toward what you're expressing your needs are, and you're hearing me, and you're moving toward what I'm expressing my needs are so that we can serve one another. And this really goes back to what Glenn's point was, is that this relationship, after your relationship with God, is the most important one in your life. This is where I want to put my serving. This is where I want to put my understanding. This is where I want to put all my empathy. And both people have to be doing that. If we're both committed to that principle, then we can figure out how to serve each other as we work through through areas where we ha may have a wildly different philosophy. Now, obviously, with this thing, it, it is a very clear thing that you, that, you know, we need time off of work, we need downtime, we need chill time together. I mean, and it's not just a biblical thing. This is like a federally mandated thing. You know, people can only work so much. And so we, we've, th that's a very clear kind of thing. But at the same time, we got to figure out how to, how we're going to move forward in this. And so that's going to include in our teamwork, in our empathy, in our serving one another, how can we move toward each other in understanding, move toward each other in figuring out how do we work this out? How can I move toward you? You move toward me. 
And we can come to a balance where we both feel heard, we both feel understood, and we've got a way forward with some actionable steps of this is how we're going to live this out. This is how often we're going to go on dates, for instance. This is how often we're going, you know, this is what we're going to do with like the phone and the email account once we're at the house kind of deal. We need to set some of these boundaries up so that we can understand what my expectations are and what is, uh, you know, what I can expect for um, for our time together, for the the level of attention we're going to have with each other when we're in our home, that kind of business. These are conversations we cannot be afraid to have, and we've got to be able to have in such a way that we can be a team, that we can look at this problem as a team, as kind of like a couple of engineers trying to figure out together with teamwork, how do we solve this in a way that both people feel heard and understood, and we move forward together. It's a really, really fantastic point about that. And there's, there's one more aspect of this I'd love to, to cover. And Jed, there's, there's something about work that has gone unsaid that uh, we must confess here, which is we have lots of highfalutin ideas about getting rest. Yeah. But the four people who listen to this podcast are atrocious workaholics. Yes. Um, and here's the thing about that is it's so important to get rest, but this idea of a perfectly balanced life is probably not that realistic. Sure. What we may want to look at is some proportions we talk about some of the stuff. So if you're in your med school residency. Yeah. Yes, saying, uh, forget it, 40 hours a week, then I'm going home. Yeah. And you, know, you can stick with the sun to shine. That's not wildly realistic, but that's not <laughs> meant to be a forever thing. That's right. So, for example, we'll have a situation around here where we are down a couple of staff people. Maybe some people are on a business trip or vacation or whatever. Um, where, uh, for those of us who are alive and remain, as the apostle says, it's a crazy amount of work. Yeah. Like, if we had to do this every week, That'd be it problem. would be a, we all need to shut... Sh- you know, sit down and totally look at the way this ministry is set up because it's too much. But for a week, we can get by. Yeah. So there's some things about this that are what is for now and sustainability might be the word we look at. There's there's an ideal way to look at a rest and work-life balance that Glenn gave us that's totally true. And there are also some practical things he gave us going through that about the, the emotional underpinnings of that, which are very important. But then on a on a day-to-day kind of week-to-week look, there's a where are we? And how does that play into coming up with a long-term plan for this? I think that's a great series of questions. I think the best analog that we can start with is suppose that you needed to lose some weight. Um, you would make a goal. You would start out and you'd say, here's where I need to get to in terms of my health and getting to a better place. Part of that's going to be diet. Part of that's going to be exercise. Now, here's the key thing. I'm not going to be able to perfectly execute this diet every single day from now on. That's not realistic. I'm going to have times where I'm traveling. I'm going to be at a wedding. uh, There will be days when that's not possible. Similarly, here's the exercise regimen I want to do. I'm not going to be able to perfectly implement that every day from now on. uh, If you're not a professional athlete, that's not a possibility. So... What we need is a goal that we're moving towards, and we need a plan to which we can return as our default mode of moving forward. Let me break those terms down for a second. First of all, we need a plan. Almost nobody ever gets to anything good by accident. If we've arrived at something good, it's because we set our sights on something good and then we pursued it. Um, and that's that's true in, in marriage. I think it's a really good idea for you and your wife to sit down together and say, 
where do we want to be 10 years from now? What do we want our life to look like 10 years from now? And in a holistic sense, work-life balance, uh, level of career success, level of income, all of that. Where, where do we actually want to be 10 years from now? Because again, if you, if you want it to be good, you should probably plan it. That's, that's generally how that works. And then again, in life, there are always moments of, as Matt, as you say, somebody's out of town and we've all got to pitch in extra or it's somebody's birthday or we're at a wedding. There, there are periods where it's not normal life, but then there's our normal day-to-day default mode of living. And kind of by definition, most of life is the normal default mode day-to-day living. Um, to, to further the, the uh, kind of weight loss analogy, um, if you're on a diet, for most people, most of the time, if you go to a wedding and you have a piece of wedding cake, that doesn't ruin the diet. That's it's fine. It's it's all kind of built in there. It's the how you eat the rest of the time that's the important thing. And so it is here. You're going to have periods that where the budget is due and that requires extra work. Jenkins is visiting from corporate and we've got to show him around. That's going to require extra work. But there's also normal life. And where we get into trouble is when that normal default mode of life is imbalanced. That's where we really, really get into a problem. You might say, well, it feels like it's just busy all the time. Well, then that is your default mode. Whatever it is, 85% of the time, that is the default mode. Uh, We may be used to thinking of that as crisis mode all the time, but it's not. That's just normal life for you. The thing that we need to acknowledge is that a person who is consistently imbalanced today is not going to become magically balanced 10 years from now. That's, that's not how that works. Well, and to your point and to what we set this up, the, as you say, nothing good happens by accident. If you say, what could change between now and then circumstantially, they'll say that if you're in med school, it'll be, I won't be in med school anymore. Exactly right. But like as you're saying, if there's no what that would be, then it needs to be kind of an act of will. Exactly right. It has to be a decision that you make. And here's the thing. Even when there is that big circumstantial factor, we need to do a bit of an honest self-assessment of, okay, you're working 70 hours a week right now. How much of that is because you're a resident? And how much of that's because you like working 70 hours a week? Mm-hmm. Um, it can be a bit of both. Uh, I, I think we've probably all known people who said, as soon as I finish this residency, it's going to be a new day and I'm a new man. And then it kind of wasn't. Um, and they, they kind of kept on working 70 hours a week, even though they weren't in their residency anymore. So I think there's an element, and this is something where couples, one of the circumstances of couples is holding one another accountable, where we can say, okay, this is a circumstantial driver you know i you know the the budget is due jenkins is in town we got the i'm in the midst of the residency and we can all acknowledge that that is real and substantive and is an impact then there's also an element of how much i choose to do just in general uh there's an element of i feel like i have to give my a triple plus effort to everything that i do all the time even though no one can actually do that that's that's not possible and so it's negotiating together as a couple of what is this going to look like and what do we want this to look like i'll give you one more metaphor if you're going to have happiness in your marriage you probably have to make a budget together as a couple because you recognize that money is a thing that's shared between the two of you and so we need to figure out together how is this money going to get spent it's true whether you have a little money or a lot of money you still kind of need to talk it out together what are we going to do with this money well in the same thing how you guys spend your time 
you should be budgeting that as well. You know, how are we going to invest this finite resource that we have in a way that honors the Lord and that we both feel good about? And again, one of the strengths of a couple is you hold each other accountable on that. So if it's, you know, we have to spend an extra $300 on car stuff this week because the car broke down. And so we need the budget to allow for that. That's fine. If it's every week we need to spend $300 on car stuff, that starts to get pretty weird. Why, you know, why on earth do we need to do that? So it's about an odd combination that most of us struggle with of showing ourselves grace and understanding about circumstantial stuff comes up while at the same time plotting a course and figuring out what a normal, sustainable approach to life is that we can both feel good about. That is all really, really fantastic stuff on every aspect of that question. We move on to our final question here. It comes in to our email address and it says, Hey, you guys have helped me through my last few relationships. I have some questions about my current situation. There's someone I've been friends with and also physical with off and on for over a year. I told them recently that I wanted to be better at staying in touch. And we actually followed through with that for a couple of weeks. We're hanging out and talking a good bit. So I thought things were actually starting to be different this time around. So now it's been a little over a week and they have been MIA once again. I really care about them and have good times when we're together. I'm not sure if I should just ask them what's going on or just take the hint and let it go. And Lee, um, this is kind of thing. I fair to say, dealing with a lot of high school, college, out of college folks, you deal with quite a bit in this new relationship landscape. So why don't you start us off? Yeah. Um, here's the thing. Uh, you deserve to be in a relationship with somebody who is super stoked to be in a relationship with you. Somebody who expresses that. Somebody who um, makes you feel like, I am glad that I'm here. I have won the lottery. I have found the greatest person ever. That's the kind of relationship you want to be in. The, the reason I say that is that there is, in our culture, especially among young folks, there is a, there's a culture of just wishy-washiness. Uh, maybe I'll call you back. Maybe we're doing something called talking. This is, a, this is a level of relationship that exists among young people. We're talking. And what that means is I'm kind of trying to decide if I want to have a relationship with you. Uh, what usually happens in talking is one person is super into it. The other person is sort of into it, but they're also trying to figure out what else they got going on. Uh, and so if, they, if something else that's better comes along, then they're going to go with that option. And if you're the person that's super into it, you kind of know this is what's happening to you, but you're also kind of glad to have a little bit of this person's attention. And when the sun of their attention is shining on you, then you feel great. And when they're kind of ignoring you or, or not around you, then it feels awful. Um, what, what we're trying to say to you is that the, the relationship that you want to invest in is the one where somebody makes you feel like... You're the person I want to be with. I'm not wishy-washy about that. I'm not uh, trailing you on or, you know, uh, leaving all my options open to see if maybe I'll be with you, maybe I won't kind of thing. No, I want to be in a relationship with you. Now, of course, um, if you are in a, you know, a kind of a pre-exclusive version of a, a relationship where you're just kind of going on dates and stuff like that, you're trying to figure out if you like each other, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But if somebody's got, you know, basically, if they've kind of got you on a line and you're emotionally invested in this 
and they have no kind of expressed commitment or anything like that. You don't know where they stand. This is a situation you don't like the way it feels. You know that's not where you want to be. And what I would always say in that situation is, I don't want to be there. That's not where I would want to live. If I am emotionally invested in somebody, I want to know that they like me back. And if they are not comfortable saying that, then I don't want to put my time, my attention, and my heart into that situation because it basically never pans out in a way that's that's healthy, good, or anything like that. This kind of talking culture, um, it doesn't lead to a lot of healthy relationships. And what we want for you is a healthy relationship where you are with somebody you know wants to be with you as well. That's what you deserve. And I don't think you should settle for less than that. It's a great point. It's one we make a lot. It's, it's very important. It is Uncle Glenn's number one rule of dating. So we go to Uncle Glenn himself to maybe add some, some color to this because um, as we talk about that bridging the, the ideal and the real, as we often do on the show. So the, the truth of that is absolutely you deserve someone who is, is, wants to be dating you. We do live in a time where we don't, the four of us on the show don't always understand the youth. Right. So, but if we're to this point where a friend is saying, you know, do I either accept that I've been, and here's a term I don't call it, ghosting. Oh, I thought that was like a Scooby Doo thing. That's when you're texting with someone. Scooby Doo ghost. Yeah, and they just I thought I was going to go get a big sandwich. Yeah. But apparently no, they stopped texting you back, and they have right. they have ghosted you. Right. So th- if you're at this point of do I accept the ghosting, right, or do I just throw one more, more one more hail mary pass? Yeah. Um, we talked about in in some earlier things about kind of it's there's what we should have, but then there's you also have to take an active process in what you're getting here. So. Mm-hmm. Um, much in the same way if you can't, uh, if you're, we are talking in a previous episode about, you know, if you want people to hang out with and you want to, you got to make some phone calls on that. Yeah. In the same way, if you want, you definitely deserve someone who's to be in a relationship with someone who wants to be in a relationship with you. But to get there, you might have to be the one who says, hey, you want to be in a relationship with me or what? What are we doing here? For sure. Yeah. I think there needs to be an element of clearly expressing not only what you feel like, you need that's essential in this relationship, but really what you want it to feel like, you know, you know, you know, I suppose there are some couples where both people feel cool, just not talking to each other over a two weeks span of whatever. <laughs> uh, if you're not that person, then you need to find someone who agrees with you. If this guy doesn't, that's, that's okay. But we're, you know, let him, Find the person who is totally comfortable in this non-relationship that he wants to be in. Um, but I think that, that therein lies the problem for a lot of us is, uh, do I need to find something clearly defective in this person before I break up with them? You know, can I, can I just say we're not clicking here? We're not on the same page? Uh, I think too often we're, we're, we, we need some sort of big diagnosable thing wrong with the other person before we can break up with them. Sometimes you're just two different people that want two different things, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what dating is. You know, we, yeah. we, 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 can, we can debate on another day whether dating is the best way to figure out how to find a marriage partner. But if dating is what you're choosing, it's important to understand what dating is for and what it's about. What it's for and what it is about is uh, figuring out, do, do we click? Are we compatible? And if we don't, we move on. That's the critical part of that. That's why we're doing this. Is d- Dating is about going and finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with. If you know it's not this guy, let's move on. Um, 
so part of that is that communication process, as as Matt was pointing out, uh, more of defining the relationship, more of getting a sense of, again, not just what you feel like is bare minimum that you just absolutely need, but also just, you know, I, I think it's okay for one person in a relationship to say, you know, I, I need a certain amount of solitude and I need it to look like this or that, you know, I need, I just, you know, morning time is my prayer time. I need to get up and I need an hour to just get my bearings and pray. I don't want anybody in that space. I need that. That's, that's a sacred time for me. You know, I think that's healthy uh, to express. I think that's good. Uh, if you're with someone who says, I, I, I actually need to be bugging you every morning during that time, then you're not compatible in that sort of way. That doesn't mean what, one of you is right or one of you is wrong. It just means right. there's not a compatibility there. Uh, part of what I'm driving at here is that uh, winging it is often bad for relationships. Uh, structure is often very good for relationships. We get that confused a lot. Uh, we, we tend to think, you know, if it's love, it will just it'll just come together, man. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's not ever how that works. Uh, and I think sometimes we think that having that level of structure built in it's sort of like anti-romantic and mm. sort of like we're doing the relationship by the numbers kind of a thing. We're we're following the chore wheel on this relationship, you know, whatever. Uh, but actually, that that structure creates really good and really healthy relationships. You know, yeah. you can uh, if someone's. I mean, there's a magic moment that happens when you say, "Hey, I need just a little bit of solitude in my mornings." I know you you keep trying to Skype me during that time frame, but man, I just need that time. And the other person say, "Wow, you know, actually, I feel the same way. I thought you—that's what you wanted, and I was just trying to comply with your thing because you called me that one time in the morning. So I thought that's when you like to do it. I don't like to do it in the mornings either. The, you know, you can get these magic moments when you communicate mm. that, and you start mapping out how do we serve one another. Yes." In some cases, you find out that you're not going to click, but I think some people avoid the communication yeah, because right. they don't want to find that out and they don't want it to end. They want the Schrodinger's relationship where it's just, we, who knows if we're compatible or if we're not. We won't ever open the box to find out. And that's not that's not how we're going to get to good and healthy relationships. Bring all that out, lay it out on the table, say, here's not only what I need, but here's here's what I'm looking for in a relationship. I think that's a really great point. And Jed, I think that leads us to one thing that's, that's worth talking about here with a certain amount of um, the risk here. As Jed has said, as Glenn is pointing out here, like, we don't, I don't want to be the one who, who says it or whatever. And I, th I wonder how many relationships die in the vine because neither person wants to be the one to, to put it out there. Yeah. The, the question to ask yourself with some risk reward terminology on this is, if this thing's dying on the vine as it is, because no one's saying anything, yeah. what are you really going to lose by being the one who puts it out there? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, here's what I think you may want is a relationship, as Glenn's kind of describing, where it all just works, and we both just kind of feel it, and we don't even really have to talk about it, and it's just great. We all want that, but... For what it's worth, I think you ought to have it. Uh, I, I'm on your side. Also, you're not going to have that. So, um, and, and I'm sorry for it. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Again, I'm on your side. It's just those don't exist. I want a toilet made out of solid gold. It's not in the cards. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. Um, 
Here's what I have found is relationships are for grown folks. And if you want this, not just this relationship, but if you want to have good relationships, you have to approach it as a grown person. Grown people communicate. Uh, Grown people figure out what it is that they want, and they tell the other person, this is what I want. Um, That's not just, here's the funny thing, that's not just true in relationships. That's true in all kinds of stuff. That's true in all kinds of arenas of life, of figuring out, here is what I want to see happen in that in this situation, and then boldly going and communicating that to the other people who are involved. Here is the thing that I want to see happen. How do you feel about that? Um, so, for example, in this in this particular case, um, I think part of what you want, what you're describing here, is you want some closure. You want to know where you stand. You ask in your question, "Should I take the hint?" I don't think you should ever take the hint, ever. I think that's always a bad idea. I think you should define terms. So I don't know if you guys primarily communicate via text or phone and, you know, either is fine, but let's say you do text. Uh, Don't take the hint. Text Mac say, hey, I dig hanging out with you. Feels like you're ghosting me. I am receiving it that way. Um, If if I'm wrong about that, text me back today. Otherwise, I'm going to decide you're definitely ghosting me and I'm moving on. Uh, Either way is cool. I'm just letting you know what the deal is. That might feel like mega assertive. It's the right move. That's what a grown person does. And once you've done it in this relationship, do it in every relationship. And not just in your romantic relationships. Do it everywhere. All the time. Define terms. Be the adult. Tell people what the deal is. Here is what I'm doing. Here's what I want. Here's how it's going to be. I know that probably sounds crazy. That's what adult people do. What I'm actually describing is, in essence, boundaries. That's that's right. really, really what I'm describing. It's about a life where you decide for yourself, here's the things I'm cool with, here's the things I'm not cool with. Here's the things I will be I will put up with, here's the things I won't put up with, and communicating that to the people in your life that you have relationships with. All human adult relationships have boundaries. Ineffective relationships have boundaries we have not clearly communicated. Effective relationships have boundaries that we have communicated. The more that you figure out what you want to see happen, the boundaries that you want for relationships, the more that you communicate them, the more relational success you will see in your life, romantic and otherwise. Now, here's the thing. You might be thinking to yourself, but won't that weird somebody out? Of course it will. Don't worry about it. <laughs> somebody right. Somebody that that weirds out and runs off, good. Right. Yep. Good riddance. Because that's a person who's not grown. That's mm-hmm. a person who's not ready for a real relationship. That's right. And that may be a person who's trying to get away with something. Um, there are people out there who are allergic to accountability. Um, and the moment that that comes on the scene, they have a way of slinking away. Good. You can't have a successful, effective, healthy, rewarding relationship with someone who is allergic to accountability and allergic to boundaries. All adult relationships have boundaries. So again, don't take the hint. Don't take the hint now. Don't take the hint ever. Insist on a relationship where, where you define terms, where you have boundaries, where you know what you want, and you communicate that to the other person. Um, it, it, you may have moments of awkwardness off of that, but man, will it pay dividends in the long term. That's all really fantastic stuff. One thing I'll, I'll tack on at the very end of that is the, the advice to never take the hint is a really good one. And here's another reason. No human being in the world is as perceptive as they think they are about this kind of stuff. <laughs> that idea, of, I know what this is. He's tired of this time. Maybe. Maybe he got busy. Maybe you said something that made him think you weren't into him anymore. As as Glenn points out, this is all in the box. The only way you find out this actually is, is to call, text, Snapchat, whatever it is, whatever they do now, 
and say, here, so do you not want to hang out anymore or what? Because again, this is, and this is worth pointing out when we're looking at these kind of scenarios where it is spelling it out, it is kind of taking the cat out of the box, is to say, if this goes as bad as I think it possibly could, where, what, does that change anything? Because what you are probably afraid to find in a relationship is that this person's not into you. That's already the functional world you're living in. Right. Is that you're not in a relationship with this person because they don't like you. That may be true. So you literally lose nothing. That may yeah. not be true, in which you gain a lot. So when you're in kind of those those kind of no lose situations, it's it's a good time to test out this idea of being assertive, of putting it out there that these guys are talking about. All right. If you have a question for us, say at podcastgmail.com, the bridge Chicago dot tumble.com channel song this is from our bridge box summer mixtape this is a bridge loud version of the old hymn power of the blood we think you're Ooh. really gonna like it yeah that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it sign up for a new wedding service bright box oh we'll get you a man <laughs> <laughs>